Hello, this is Tom, the producer of the Pizza and Enzo Show podcast. The guest on the show today is Kevin King, the president of Donato's Pizza. We had a very wide-ranging conversation about from Ohio State football all the way to favorite pizzas and how people are funny about pizzas. We had a little bit of a challenge with our editing software as I switch over to Adobe, but we were able to push through and persevere and be able to get this published today. I'm looking forward to you listening to Kevin. He is a very interesting cat. Cheers from Charleston. Hey, Kevin, how are things today with you? I am doing great. Uh, great to meet you and great to talk today. I'm uh, really excited. It is exciting. What part of the world are you in right now? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus. What's um, what's Columbus? Is that uh, kind of the middle of the state or what part of the state is Columbus? Yeah, Columbus is right dab in the middle of the state of Ohio, kind of halfway between Cincinnati in one corner and Cleveland in the other. We, I have developed over the years. Uh, I grew up in Atlanta and moved to South Carolina many, many years ago. And I have a, a large number of friends from Ohio. It has been something that I have gotten to know and, and have learned a lot about. And we've actually had some, some friends on the show that are from Ohio that, um, and I'm thinking like, you guys are also in the Eastern time zone, which I did not know. It's it's Bizarre. like, you're, uh, yeah. no, but it's okay. That's okay. It's, uh, it's like, uh, you guys all, uh, uh, it's like we're kind of all lined up. Makes it makes it kind of. Of course, I wouldn't ask you where you're from. I would ask you where you're from on the plane. You know, obviously. That's <laughs> yeah. like, the uh, well, Kevin, where did you grow up? Where'd I actually grow up? grew up here in Columbus. Uh, in Columbus, I, I was born in Texas. Moved to Columbus as a as a young kid. Went to uh, grade school, high school, and college in Ohio, and um, worked here for a while. Left for a long while, and then came back about two years ago. Oh, gosh, that is, that is fun. To, it's fun to come back home, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's a, oh, I see you're wearing a uh, Donato shirt. Do you work with them or what, what do you do with Donato's? I am the president of Donato's Pizza. So yes, I do. I work with them. Yes. Thrilled to be a part of this great company. <laughs> that is neat. Donato's is a, a wonderful brand and I spotted it right away and, and recognized it as having a, uh, a uh, fondness from my family when I mentioned um, about Donato's to them that they growing up that they remember fondly uh, the Donato's brand. I know that I seem to remember didn't Donato's weren't they owned by another company like like McDonald's, Burger King, or something many many years ago? It was uh, in uh, 1999. Donato's uh, was a part of McDonald's for about mm -hmm. four years, and the uh, Grody family who started Donato's bought it back in. 2003 so right about 20 years ago oh how awesome is that yeah that's great that is so what in the world did you what what in the world were you thinking to get into the food business what caused you, you to do that kevin i know what you, it caused me but what 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 caused you to get in the food business i don't know it bit me when i was 14 years old I got a oh. job washing dishes in a pizza restaurant here in columbus and believe it or not i graduated from college uh, working for that same uh, company anytime I could. It was just a little mm -hmm. local mom and pop pizza place. Um, and what did I do out of college? I went to work for Domino's Pizza in the <laughs> in the 80s. And uh, for except for two years in my work life, I worked for a restaurant company. Um, I, I decided banking was really cool for about two years and I worked mm -hmm. for Chase um, and then right back into the 
to the restaurant business? In my experience, when meeting people that are in the restaurant, that are actually in the restaurant food and beverage business, that they they often started and caught caught the bug in that you know fourteen to eighteen washing dishes and and uh, cl trying to you know clean pans and learning about the business from the back of the house. That's most of the people that I talk to uh, came from a kitchen. I mean, not necessarily in the back of the house. Could be front of the house too, of course. And it's uh, so so your first so you worked first with a pizzeria. So have you worked with other pizza companies? Well, I know you worked with Domino's. Have you worked with other pizza companies? And is that kind of where you've been? I've been most of my rest, most of my career in pizza. Yes. Out of uh, college, went to work for Domino's. Then I actually worked for Donato's once before okay, uh, for 13 years in the 90s through 2003. And uh, then I went to work for Chase, but I was a part of another pizza brand, Papa Murphy's for... 10 years and we have those we have those here yeah it it was uh it was a uh, uh, yes most of my life have been in pizza i did uh six and a half years with smoothie king which was a fantastic experience as well but um you know the pizza business is something that's been a part of most of my life uh it's something i really know really well and uh love being back at donato's I know it's always exciting. Again, returning home is kind of like your your original place, and you came back to them. As as you have, as you mentioned, you're the president of Donato's, which is which is a a unique position to be. It's a singular position uh, with big companies. What is it like being part of a company? I mean, it's obviously it's a big company that actually has food as their end result. Is that what you guys do? Is it pizza? What Donato's does, or yeah. is it is it something a little bit bigger? Well, we have a diverse menu. We have pizza, subs, wings, salads, okay. and some desserts. But it's the pizza business. That's you know that's 80, 85% of what we do is is pizza. And the pizza occasion drives a Donato's occasion for the most part. You know, most people are getting pizza and something else. Uh, we do, you know, somebody might order a couple subs or something like that. But it's the pizza business. It's the pizza occasion, which is what we do. People are funny about pizza, aren't they? Oh, yeah. People are very funny about pizza. People are loyal about pizza. Families mm -hmm. fight about pizza. You know, they're like, well, this is my favorite <laughs> and that's my favorite. And and people do switch brands a little bit. At their core, almost everybody has their favorite pizza. And when you ask them what's your favorite, their faces light up. They talk about it like, oh, this is my favorite. Um, and of course, I love those conversations when Donato's is their favorite, and I do get that a ton. I always mm. think of three words when I think of pizza. It's fun, family, and sharing. Because almost every pizza occasion is around something fun. It's a party. It's a football game. It's a family event, or it's family Friday night pizza every Friday mm. night. And it's one of those foods where we all kind of eat off the same plate that pizza in the center of the table. So almost nobody has a negative connotation associated with pizza. It's always about fun. It really is. And I have never really thought about it that way. When I travel, just like you do, when I travel, I have to eat. And I don't find myself going to pizza places very often because thinking about, uh, because the real reason, obviously, is because you can't take your box of pizza when you can't finish the whole damn thing back to the hotel. And then, of course, it's, Anyway, you know, everybody, everyone has tried that, that the places that are serving um, just a single piece of 
I guess they call it a slice. I know we just call it like pizza slices uh, down here that uh, that is rare unless there's a place that just has a single slice for me that I would eat pizza. And again, because I'm by myself and I think about it, it was, and again, I'm kind of interrupting myself because it, it's exciting. <laughs> about three months, speaking of pizza, about three months ago, I was out and about with Andrea and she saw a pizza oven it was it was not it was um it doesn't matter the brand but it was it kind of had a dome like this and it's a flat yeah. and, and you feel that there's a um a charcoal box on the back of it and then, which is i'm thinking that's a lot to deal with she got me to buy the buy it for my son my middle son's christmas present and i was like that's a weird present for my for your son to bring a big ass excuse me big big pizza oven out and about three days before christmas they all they had tricked me to buying the oven for Pizza myself oven for yourself. Knew, yeah, uh, because yeah. they, because they knew, it. yeah, they knew I would never buy it. So think about all, all of my family was plotting to get me to make them pizza. That's, that, that is, you know, but again, it, that, that's what is the beautiful thing about pizzas. It brings people together. Right. And, and it's a food we're happy to share, you know, other times, you're, you're uh, no, that's my plate. Let me then, but with pizza, you put it at the center table and you grab away. So I, that's one of the things that's great about this business is there's so much happiness everywhere in this business is because the guest is so happy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the guest is not, you know, racing through the drive-through at McDonald's or, you know, they're like, no, we're having pizza. And, this is a great occasion and people love pizza and they just light up and they smile and it's awesome. That is a, I'm so happy that, that you brought, that I brought that up because that, <laughs> that is exactly what people do. Like, Hey, I don't feel, I don't feel like having any fun today. Let's go get pizza. I mean, that's never <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's a, uh, you know, when we do, uh, I think as far as like a group feeding tool, it's a wonderful thing. It is, uh, you know, for scouts or, or Girl Scouts or organizations. It's all teams, brings, baseball yeah, team, football team. It brings so much joy to uh, Kevin thinking, thinking about growing up and what you've done and, and moving through the conversation. Uh, what was your first business venture in your mind? What was the first time you venture that you said, I'm going to do business? I'm going to be in business. You know what? I think I always I as far as I can remember, I always knew I was going to be a business person. Okay. Um, and certainly when I went to college, I was always a business major right from the very beginning. I wasn't like, Oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a dentist. Uh, I, I just knew I wanted to be in the, in business. And I wouldn't say I knew when I went to college that I wanted to work in a restaurant business my whole life. Um, I kind of, that kind of came over time. And, I, uh, you know, I remember my senior year in college kind of deciding between a couple different jobs. And I think I kind of surprised myself a little bit and said, no, I'm going to do, I'm going to go to work for Domino's. And it was at a great time. They were growing rapidly. And, but I didn't think at the time that, hey, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I'm so happy I did because I can't imagine myself, especially today, kind of doing the same routine week in and week out. And one of the greatest things about working in a restaurant is there are no two days alike. There, it is not mundane. It, every every day brings a unique set of challenges, and it's different every day. 
And that that's true regardless of any job I've had in the restaurant business. I spent a lot of my career on the development side, real estate, construction, and franchise development. And there's no two days alike. And that's something that's great to me. It just fits who I am. There are people like myself that started in the in the food business at one point and moved into a different career. There was a time that I thought that uh, the law field was was a wonderful one to pursue. And I, I did that. And I found after the first time I sat with one of the partners and they went through my billable hours and they cut me from 68 hours down to 32 hours. And I realized we were going to be billing hours and I was going to be sitting in this dang chair worried about that. I, uh, I, I, I actually left and went to, that's when I went to Brinker. I was a, it's a weird connection, but I had some friends that were in the business and I, I, I left there and, and ended up at the Chili's concept is where I started, which yeah. is an absolutely beautiful, wonderful concept. I, I, I had, I had, I am so proud that I was part of that early because of the development system. They had a, a tremendous development system for uh, leadership and thing. And I don't mean to talk about me, but I'm just saying that that's, it's a neat thing to, to be in the, in the business and, and be a businessman and be a business person as, as we go now. Kevin, are you competitive? You're a pretty competitive uh, guy. Yeah, I am. No, I just, uh, it, it, it's, it, it got my wife, you know, complains about it sometimes, you know, it's like, this is not a race. Well, yes, it is. You turn everything into competition. I do in my life. And sometimes I have to remember not to do that with my family, but I'm a, I'm a competitive guy. Uh, always been. That is neat. That's I, I am beginning to find that common thread. <laughs> Many of the people that we talk to that 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 have stayed in this business, you have to have either a humongous heart <laughs> to 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 serve people, um, or you've got to be pretty competitive. So when you're out and about in the pizza president world, hanging around with all the you know the the room full of pizza presidents, do you guys get along? Do you do you hang around each other, or does everybody just kind of maybe at big shows, you know, like food shows or things like that. Do you guys ever talk, do you ever talk to each other or do you just, yeah, stay your own it's, thing? it's not a enemy business. It's, hmm. um, you know, I think that's true across the whole restaurant business. It's not, you know, and this is a lesson that Jim Grody, the founder of Donato's taught me at a very early age, uh, you know, somebody who's competitive, it's about win and lose in competition a lot of the times. And, what he so eloquently said, and he just demonstrated that point so well, is the only thing we control is ourselves. And we can win every day. And if we win and they win, that's okay. I want to win. And he want, you know, he was saying this as a winner, right? To him, the competition, but it doesn't have to be win and lose. If we both win, um, you know, I want to win a little more than they win, but th that's okay. And so I'm not focused on trying to make somebody lose. I'm trying to focus on making sure that we win day in and day out. And that's, that's a great lesson to anybody in any field is it doesn't, you don't control whether they lose, you control whether you win. And if you focus on you winning, then you control your outcome. And if they win, it's okay too. You know, it it's not really like a sporting event where there at the end of the day there's a score on the board and you win or lose. In the restaurant business, we can both win. We can achieve all our goals and they can grow their sales too. And that's okay. And the next year I'm going to try to grow a little more and be more, but I don't have to make them lose. And so that's a that's a philosophy I got from Jim Grady, who was the founder at Donato's and and still involved in the business today, is 
uh, and it's it's really fundamental down to who we are as a company, who I am as an individual, and and something that that I get from him way back in, you know, thirty years ago, forty years ago when I first encountered him. So, with that as the the backbone or DNA of Donato's, I don't know how you couldn't have made it. That's a, a wonderful philosophy. I believe it. It's it's the ultimate. That's like the ultimate split pizza philosophy where I get pepperoni and on my side and you get something else on your side and we uh, don't have to compete for the pizza because right. we both win. And we can both win. <laughs> and both win and and do it. So uh, thinking about something a little bit out, do you have any creative outlets? Do you, are you a painter? Do you play pickleball? Do you uh, have some other, uh, I don't know if pickleball is a creative outlet, but I'm just thinking from a thought, do you have any creative juices that you got? Or are you just so driven? Um, first of all, I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of creative outlets and it's probably one of the weaknesses on me. I, I think about, I think about work and business. My family's super important to me and I love uh, sports, sporting events and, and doing things. Pickleball's one, I'll just make the old joke, is uh, I'm just becoming old enough to play pickleball, so I'll probably have to take it up, but it, it it's definitely the thing all my friends are starting to talk about, so I must be of the age that pickleball is important. My work and my work life is a big part of it, my family, my family life, and I am a huge sports fan. There's plenty of sports around me, and, and sports have been a big part both being a fan and and playing sports too have been a part of who I am. So, um, but yeah, I work a lot um, yeah. <laughs> and I love being with my family. So what's your sport of choice? I mean, like sports team or sport? My sports teams. I'm a football fan. I've been a yeah. lifelong Ohio State Buckeye fan. Whether I lived in Columbus or not, I've always been a Buckeye fan. I also, I was born in Texas and I don't know how it really happened because I don't really, I it wasn't, I have been a Cowboys fan my whole life too. So uh, the beautiful thing was making my kids uh, watch Ohio State football and the Dallas Cowboys. And we, most of their, they grew up in the Northwest in Portland, Oregon. And, you know, they were Ohio State fans and and Cowboys fans out on the West Coast. So uh, they, they've drifted a little away from me, but uh, I, I've always been an Ohio State fan and a Dallas Cowboys fan. So it, it is what it is. Yeah, America's team, man. Yeah, for That's, sure. Uh, the, the Falcons uh, for us were always for us, but there was a special place for the Cowboys in Atlanta. Before that, I'll tell you something funny. Before that, uh, before sixty, I guess they were they got there like in sixty seven ish, which is about the same time I got there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before that, the 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 two teams that most everyone pulled for was the Washington Redskins. That was the next closest team interestingly is the green bay packers yeah. which is kind of you know that's kind of up that First way and that's uh yeah those are those are two teams and growing up we had um it was called wtbs it was ted turner's yeah. station and had uh had the cowboys on there so we watched the cow i mean just because it was a team and it was on and and it was uh and it was a, a fun uh fun thing to watch and a team from another state i i had a interesting hobby when i was younger that i would sit with a radio and try at late at night and tr and get up on on the roof. I, I hate to tell you, I get up on my roof of the house growing up in in Stone Mountain, and I would turn the radio station slowly just to on on AM to see if I could hear like an Ohio State football uh, game yeah. Yeah. or a Denver. I mean, and we would get things. And I had this old notebook. I don't even know where it is now, but I would keep up with who you would hear like things about. And I was like, that's like a foreign country. 
So yeah. that's in another universal way. So it's, uh, um, so I don't know why I even told it's, you that story. Other it's a little thinking. easier to be a remote, a remote sports fan today than it was back, uh, back <laughs> yes. when you and I were growing up, but, uh, those AM radio days and you had to wait till it got dark to really pick up that station you wanted. I, I don't really miss that. Uh, I love being able to just log on and, and see what the stats are, or pull up the ESPN app when I'm out on, uh, out during the day on a Saturday and see what the latest is, but love that. It is, it is a, it's a fun thing to think about. Of course, having, uh, you know, the Southeast here is, you know, just completely. They have football down there. Say again. They have football down there in the Southeast. Well, I think that there is a team in Columbia. I'm not, and there's a team in Athens. I'm trying to think if there's uh, any others. Um, maybe in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of them. They're in, uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know what they're, they're like the red elephants or something like that. Yeah. Something sure. like that. <laughs> That's a, uh, I, I, I lived in Gainesville, Georgia for just a couple of years. And uh, when my dad got out of the Navy, the school that I was uh, at was there was called the red elephants was the name of, was their mascot. And as, as most, I say most people, not many people maybe know that that is what the crimson tide that's the, is the elephant is actually there. And, and I never, you know, it's just like, Anyway, you get that. So they say roll tide, I guess. So it's yes, yeah, they, they, they had a little they got a little had a little loss this week, didn't they? Last week. Whew. They 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 did. I think uh they lost to Michigan, which yes, you know, I, I gotta tell you that was that I was really torn who to want to win that game. If mm-hmm. two teams could have lost the same game, yeah, uh might have chosen that, but that would have been a good one. Yeah, it'd be to be a be a tied a tied game, or which would be a fun. Well, that's what we want. I mean, when we look at as competitive people, when we look at a a competition, I, I do have favorites, and uh, I'm very active in in tennis. That's kind of my thing now that I'm a grown up. I'm a full grown up now, so I play tennis, and I do play pickleball now, just because it's uh it's actually fun. It's easier to drink beer with pickleball. Just let me be candid. It's easier to drink beers. And because uh, you don't really run around, you just kind of hit the ball and just You're not going to throw up as much. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> you don't have to run around as much. So when I when I watch for a, a game or, or a match, as we call it in tennis, uh, I I want them both to just pound each other. I want it to be 75 to 74 or one to nothing because I want I love, love the competition. And it 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 makes for fun. It makes for fun to watch. To yeah, me, it makes it funner sure. to watch it. And obviously they lost, but it's not like Michigan was like just goofing around for the first three and a half quarters. They got me. They won. No, it was an square, excellent man. football game. The, they, the beautiful thing about the last two seasons of the semifinal games were two each year. Awesome games. And as a football fan, regardless if my team's playing or not, uh, that that's what you want. You want a great you want a great game like those. Those blowouts are just no fun. They're not. And it's it's fun for that team. But if you, you know, it's a uh, little, you yeah. know, because there's not much, there's not as much emotion. You, you know, you're not on the edge of your seat. You're not as invested. So, well, all we have to do just to bring back some very sad memories. And well, all we do is got to go back to watch the Patriots and the Falcons a couple of years ago when the Falcons were, we were like, woo, we're, we're there. What was that score? I can't remember. It was like 97. To- yeah, it was like, I think it was like 47. It was like something 21, 40. I can't remember the score. I've, yeah, I've 24 to three it. at one point, I think, and lost, but you know. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the sort of thing that those that those of us that were wishing, it's like, I don't want to have a blowout, but I also want to win. I want to be yeah. able to go by, you know, world champions. Sure. Like I had uh, 
I actually had my Braves hat on a minute ago, which from when they won the World Series two years oh, ago. Nice. And uh, uh, but you know to wear that, and and the reason I I, lo- I love this conversation because it leads us to what what I have begun to love is is a tribe of tribe of people that we that we wear things and we do things and we try to put out our marker out there, our logo, so that someone can our brand, so to speak, on the on the on the shoulder. To, so that when you're in the airport and you see somebody, because the next time I see somebody with a Donato's t-shirt or, or a shirt on, I'm going to say something to him. Say, yeah. hey, you well, know, I'm Kevin, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it makes it fun. It makes a connection. It makes, it makes a fun, fun connection. And and uh, that leads us the whole tribe thing back a, around that pizza is one of those things that is so tribal that, but everyone's in the tribe. For sure. Everybody loves tribe. pizza. The big pizza yeah. tribe. It's a, uh, and I know that was a, a, not a far stretch to connect pizza to, to that, but uh, I'll take that part out, <laughs> that last part that I said there. The, uh, so when you're out and about in, in president mode, what are communications like for you? What is the volume of communication? Are you getting just pounded all the time or is it just a, just a constant steady flow of, of goodness and everything's good and no challenges ever? You know, uh, I would tell you, first of all, you talk about challenges, um, 20, 21, 22 was one of the most unique challenges in my entire career, one right after the next, right? Because first was COVID and who knew, who knew what that was going to be, right? Urgent employment challenge, getting people to come back to work and staffing our restaurants and keeping them open and those things. And then right into rapid inflation. You know, I can say I was alive in the 70s, but I wasn't running a business in the 70s. Inflation's never really been a part of my business career, uh, not like we had in 2022 um, or not like we saw in the in the late 70s. So it was it's been one one uh, major business challenge right after the next 2021 20, and 22, which made 23 a little bit, you know, it might have been a challenging year, except for we just finished those three. Um, but it was kind of nice to to get into a stride and to do. And and you say, what is what is a day like? You know, there are challenges on most days for me as a as a, as a leader. I wouldn't say I have a mundane day ever, um, but I would also say our business, our team, our people, we've really kind of come into working together and we're able to handle uh, some business challenges a little better. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel anything like it did in those three years, 2021 and 22. So, um, you know, I think part of that is I've been in my role a little bit longer. Uh, My team is a little bit uh, more seasoned in their role. And I think all of us have just taken out a little bit of exhale and said, here, here we go. Let's go about executing on, on our plan and taking care of our, our team members and taking care of our guests. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel those constant day after day after day right now that I would say 20, 21 and 22 were, which I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm happy. Um, but I also tell you challenge does fuel me as a, as an individual. Um, I, I think I perform well in a challenge and I like it. We all need to take a breath and exhale too though. So uh it was it was really nice having 2023 kind of be a little bit more of a normal year from from that perspective. 
taking into account the enormous number of variables that we have in the food business and and not just food business, supply chain, procurement, all the way through vendors and others associations that in the restaurant side of the food business, oftentimes that we rarely get to exhale until the end of the shift. You get me because the ones that start, you know, it's, it's what we like about being in the weeds. It's what guys like us, people like us like to be in the weeds, man. That's where it comes right. from. Those tickets are coming out, baby. And you're, you know, you're back there and you have, uh, and you get the surprise about the pepperoni has it shown up from the distributor yet. Or anyway, not that that happens with y'all, but other that I know from firsthand. We all went through that. How based on, I, I almost think that the, the last three years, we have not not thinking macabre or 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 from being in a dark time, but I think we will look back out on those three years as one of the most interesting business time periods. I know it's the most business one. I had the good fortune of I grew up in a business that my family started in in the 1840s, and uh, so I've been in business since I've got. I could show you the pictures of me with the hand trucks when I was a little yeah. little boy in the in the warehouse. I mean, most people that grew up in family businesses have done that, but being around that and seeing my mom and dad and, and sitting in the office when they're doing the financials, and I'm not trying to tell you something personal, but I'm thinking like the financials of their business. They were uh, in. They actually started out in. They were in the safety equipment business, so hazmat suits and and things, safety glasses and things like that. Good business in COVID, by the way. Oh yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it would have been a good one. They they sold it because one because they're they're the the eldest uh, decided that they they decided that the eldest needed to go to college rather than continue in the business, which is what I wanted to do. Anyway, that uh, yeah. that's a, that's, a, that's the family story. I didn't get to. I didn't get to blow all their money that they've spent for the, you know, that they created for the last 30 years. They got, they took care of that and did their thing, which I'm very happy that they were able to do that. It was a, a neat thing. I got to work with my grandparents and some, some neat, neat oh, that's things. really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was, it's, um, I almost feel like though it, it, it kind of, it, it, whatever a positive jaded word would be, cause jaded tends to be negative. I, I was jaded in that. I knew, I know what's going on in businesses. I know that when the door, when they turn the thing around and they're like this and they're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? There was a a story I saw early this morning on, uh, I think it was PMQ was the name of the the magazine, like PMQ issue or PMQ yeah. Zoom. And uh, um, there was a, a pizza place in New York that the, the owners got into a really, really bad crash and were going to have to close the business for. Uh, and all of the other pizza places were like sending, you know, awesome. yeah, they were all taking care of them, man. I was like, I was such a, it was sad. It was a, it was actually not a really well, not that it wasn't well written, but it was sad the way that it was formed. And then it kind of like all of a sudden. The premise was sad. Yes, right? it was. Yes, the premise was sad. Yes, thank you. I, I was trying to describe how I was meaning that. But then a uh, pizza place down the street in Brooklyn would say, hey, well, we're donating 10% of our profits today to you, what we make today. And then, and they're, they're making it so that these people, can still have the business and the owner. It, it's a, I'd be happy to send you the article. Oh, but yeah, he, they got a very bad crash. They, they were very badly hurt and in the hospital. And the dude was only worried about, he was only worried about his employees. It was the, and he's, he's in, tra he's talking to the magazine in traction and he's saying, I'm going to use this money because I got to take care of my employees. And I was thinking, like, what other thing? Anyway, I don't want to get too fired up about that, but what other beautiful way could you contribute to this world than taking care of the people 
and you're the one that's not doing so hot. But yeah, that's that, the that's that's giving, right? That's a that's a giver in life, uh, and we've all we've all seen givers in life and been around them, and um, it, it, they're wonderful people. Uh, teach us all great lessons. I'm I'm happy to see the outcome, and I wish them so well. And and uh, yeah, I hope they get. I hope they fully recover. And I do too. I do too. They were they were pretty smashed up the way that it, the way that it read. Um, but that's 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 one of the neat things that um, uh, about our world because that happens all the time. It, I'm not the crash, but people helping other people because I, I know that working in the back of the house, you're going to go next door if you if you're have a uh, burger place and the Donatos is next door, you know, you guys are swapping food <laughs> yeah. and you're, and you're getting to know each other. Well, I just love the fact that that was a pizza place and it just went so well with what I said earlier about winning and winning. And, uh, I, and I do think there's camaraderie in the restaurant business, unlike a lot of other businesses. And, and I think so many founders of pizza places think about winning and winning as opposed to an, a, anything else. Um, and, it's a great life lesson. I'm learning. I'm learning a tremendous deal about myself doing this. And there are, it is a, a continuous learning, a learning cycle, talking on a microphone and trying to keep all these buttons and things going. So thank you for forgiving me for doing that. I or forgive me for doing for that. Sure. From a big business standpoint, thinking about the decisions that y'all make, do you have a standard, and I'm not asking for anything proprietary or anything like that, but do you have a standard decision-making model for your I, business? I am so glad you asked that question. Um, and I, I'm holding this little coin. And this is another this is another Jim Grody lesson. When he founded Donato's, everybody told him that it's dog-eat-dog, kill them before they kill you. And uh, he's like... I, I just think there has to be more to business than killing somebody else. And so when he founded Donatos, he founded it under the golden rule. He said, I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. And, and the golden rule is kind of what he said for years and years. As he grew in business and grew as a leader, he came up with three principles and uh, we he, he made a coin of them and they have them on them. And it really is a decision-making tool. And the first is that you lead with love. And, and that's love in, in a different sense than, say, romantic love. But it's the love you have for your guests, the love you have for your team, the love you have for, um, you know, the product that you make. And you always want to lead with love. And so that just puts you, because love has such a word in our, um, in our community, it puts you in a different place. A lot of times where you are is I want to lead with love. And I want to follow the golden rule. And if you do that, you will almost always do the right thing. And so those are the principles we use on decision-making um, at, at Donato's. And I think they're fantastic um, decision-making tool. Every time I have a tough decision, uh, I think you start with leading with love. And this could be you know, a tough decision you have with a team member who's not pulling their weight or uh, you know, a tough decision about a restaurant or a franchise partner or anything. If you start with leading with the love and the golden rule, and it doesn't mean that you're not holding people accountable, but it's how you approach the situation. And if you do that right, you'll almost always do the right thing. And I think that that's incredibly important. And he calls it 
agape capitalism. And agape is the Greek word for the highest form of love, which is unconditional love. So um, I just think that you asked that question and I was sitting here holding this coin even before you asked the question, because it's just a fantastic way whenever faced with a tough decision is take yourself through that progression. I just love it. I too am happy that I asked that question. I'm finding a thread through people like you that there is often a, and I've caught, and I have scripted, this is not the right word, but, or, or created whatever scripted the decision-making model because so many of us, when we're working, when we're out, if we have a model on which we can rely, then we can confidently move forward to take care of whatever we're looking at, yeah. whatever the problem is that we're at. And I'm so happy that that you had that coin. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful again. This the DNA of Donato's man. It it it's it's, it's inspiring to me. Yeah, it, it's inspiring to me. And and you know, as you go through your work life, you you take pieces from everybody you encounter, both the good and the bad, right? You learn from everybody you encounter and you figure out as we mature who we want to be as a leader. And you take these important things and sometimes you're still looking for them and you're not sure, but when you get it, you know it and you know it's a part of who you are and you you take it and you apply it. And um, you know, for anyone young listening, you may not have everything you need in your leadership style yet, but just remember, you're going to take a little bit from everybody you encounter, both people who work for you and who you work for, both the good and the bad, and you will figure out what kind of leader you want to be from that experience. And, um, you know, the other big principle for me is we never stop learning. Um, I think that the only day in your life you don't learn is the day you die. And um, we're going to learn until the day we're no longer here. And if you approach every day that way is, what am I going to learn today? Uh, And then the reverse of that is, what do I have to teach or offer today to someone else? Those are great things to apply uh, every day. And, you know, even give it some thought. What did I learn today? And what did I teach today? And, um, you know, as you wind down your day, that's a great thing to, you know, if you have a journal or you take notes or write down what you learned today, what did I learn today and what did I teach today? Um, and some days you'll be disappointed in what you taught. And that's a that's a good thing, too, because it'll it'll focus you if you're competitive like we are. It's going to focus you in on what am I going to do tomorrow? It'll teach you thinking about teaching. The second question after decision making for me is how do you learn? But that's the second question is how do you learn? And and being a lifelong learner as well. Um, and I find that, again, that I think that's another common thread that I'm starting to see with, with the neat, neat people that I'm talking to, that there is that common thread that they are lifelong learners, that they don't have an arrested development mindset so that they can continue to learn things. And I did write down about uh, what did you teach? Because I I have not been writing that down and I recognized it when it came out that uh, that that's that's a missing piece of my the log because I keep a log of uh-huh. of things that I do and uh, what did I teach today has not been one of those I'm I probably put something close because that's not yeah. like you know it's like but I'm so ha- I I already I've already won today <laughs> because I have a new thing to uh, by which I can grade 
my, and I said grade, again, look, I'm going right straight to grade. You got a B today because you didn't teach anything, but it's, uh, but I guess it's important. We talked a little bit about leadership and we talked about the last two to three years. We talked about decision-making models. Do you find that there is an importance on which businesses can place the thought of pushing through to get something completed? Like how far do you go in your business to get something completed. So you're, so as an example, someone in a, uh, in a store, one of your store in any store, really in one of your stores has a, a customer that needs to, that needs help with something. How far do you allow them to go to take care of that customer? I, I that it was a terribly phrased question. <laughs> so let me, I'm going to, one of the third, the third one I asked about is what is the importance of pushing through? That's, that's my cue. Because so, again, it's another thread that I'm starting to see is that you don't you maybe run up against a bulkhead, but you look for a door to go around. So if you can maybe put that question, I'll take that out and maybe rephrase the question. But what is the importance you have found of of pushing through? And maybe that's not the best word. It's a word we use in our family. Pushing through. We Push were it, in no, New- I love the word. Good. Yeah. We were in New York, going to Maine with my son to go to college. And we got snowed in New York, duh. And we were going to Maine Maritime. And the we sat in front of, when we were snowed in, we were thinking, what are we going to do? Uh, we don't live in New York. We don't know what to do here. And I asked my son together, I said, do we want to push through on this or not? We can get a car. We could walk. I mean, how much yeah. do you want to push through? And we did push through. And uh, got, ended up in uh, in Maine when it was like, oh, you never seen snow like Maine. I've never seen snow like Maine. <laughs> and uh, so I wanted to give you an example. I didn't want to talk about me, but I wanted to give you an example. That's that's really the spirit of what I was trying to get to of, of things in your experience or, or how in your leadership models. Yeah. Of, uh, for, what's important. Thank you. I, I think um, pushing through, as you said, uh, the other word is perseverance. Um, oh, we're going to face you. challenges in our life uh, always both personal and professional and pushing through or persevering is uh, it really separates those who are committed from those who aren't. And, you know, if I'm a learner, I want to push through because I'm going to learn something from this occasion and I don't want to give up. And um, I think we, we owe it to our teams to show perseverance and pushing through because when you get to the other side, you've learned so much and you've developed and and you've accomplished something. And those are huge parts of they're they're a big part of running a restaurant. Every single night we have a rush hour in the pizza business. Everybody wants, and you know what? We have to persevere every night. And if 20, 21, and 22 didn't teach us anything about perseverance, nothing ever will. Because it would have been easy to give up and all of our uh, 185 traditional restaurants and our 300 non-traditional restaurants would have been gone um, because it took perseverance to get through the pandemic. It took perseverance to get through the staffing crisis, and you know we had to push through inflation. How are we gonna? How are we gonna survive? What do we have to do differently? What do we have to think of? And those are just the crises. But there's pushing through and perseverance every single day. And um, so uh, somebody I was talking to the other day, we were talking about the restaurant business and the those people who go into the restaurant business are people who get energy from challenge. They uh, people who don't love the restaurant business 
the the challenge sucks energy from them. But to those of us in the restaurant business, for sure, we get energy from that challenge. And so we have a challenge seven days a week between 545 and 615 every single day. We have a challenge and that gives us energy. And the people who don't love the restaurant business, that stresses them out. And, uh, you know, so we have to make sure that the people we have in the business get the energy because that's how you talk to, engage, and smile at a customer when you're 100 tickets down in the kitchen. You're and, in the weeds. Uh, you're deep in the weeds, baby. Yeah. And, and so that that's what's so important is that has to give us energy. And, um, and that's, I think that's what the restaurant business attracts is people who are running to the fire and that running to the fire means that the guest gives them energy. Um, and you know, when that door opens and people start funneling through, it brings a smile to your face, not a frown. And, and that's what it's all about. And to me, that's what person through, uh, pushing through or perseverance is about. And you can apply it to any aspect of your life. We both have kids. There are times you got to push through. Somebody, somebody said when we had our third kid, you had to switch from man to man to zone. Those, those thoughts kind of funny, but at the same time, they're life lessons is like, you know, I, I can't approach this the same way I did yesterday or I'm going to get overrun. And so that's all about pushing through to me. Pushing through is a huge part of life. And there are plenty of times in my life where I just want to put my head down. You can't. You got to pull it up and you got to lead and you, and you got to get through it. So I, I love what you said about pushing through in your family. And uh, I, I think it's great analogy for the restaurant business and what we do every day in serving our guests and our customers. And for us in the home office, it's about serving our restaurants and our franchise partners and our general managers out there. So we have to push through too. There are days where, wow, you know, as you said, I got to find the pepperoni to get to the back door. Uh, so my, my teams can push through. I'm glad I asked that question. Thank you for allowing me to power through that, push through that question. <laughs> That's a good example. Great. That's like a, that was a little inception question there. Sort of like, do you use checklists? How do you keep up with all? I cannot imagine all the stuff you have to keep up with. How do you keep uh, up? I do lists like to-do lists more mm. than checklists. Well, you know, the way I manage my inbox is it is a to-do list. Things that mm. are in my inbox are part of my to-do list. So to me, I can't get overrun by my inbox, which is probably not one of my best traits. I spend time on email when I should be engaged with my family, but um, that that's part of how I manage uh, is through what's important to me is still something in my inbox or on a, uh, on a to-do list. And, you know, the beautiful things about to-do lists or managing your inbox is you're crossing things off. And so you're getting that sense of fulfillment and that sense of, Hey, I, I got some things done today and we all need that. Um, it's part of the score, how we keep score or, or whatever um, it is, especially for us competitive people, you, you've got to have a sense of winning or it can weigh on you and it gets that perseverance gets a little tougher, but uh, so yes, I have uh checklists or, uh, to-do lists and, uh, and an inbox that I use that way. How about you? I use checklists. I read a book by a fellow named a tool, but it's like a tool Barandi. Forgive me for not remembering, but it's, it was called checklists. He was a surgeon and he used through his experience of surgeries 
to demonstrate the importance of checklists and the importance of following checklists. And I have, uh, over the many years since I read it, have become, I, it is one of my favorite things about the way that I do things. It doesn't always translate to, if you were looking at what I was doing, it wouldn't always translate that came from a checklist, but I am also uh, not as active as I used to be, but I'm also a competitive sailor. My family's competitive sailing. We sail on a uh, 45-foot yacht that wow, is nice. a uh, Benetton. It's a, a short field. It's, a, it's a, the Peregrine, if you ever see it. It's a very beautiful. And there are checklists. Man, I tell you what, if you want to wonder about a checklist, um, flying, sailing, having a checklist that you go through, is is uh, it allows me the the way that I look at it because of my you know manic mind. Uh, it, it allows me the ability to freely pursue something and be able to quickly get back to where I was. Cause all I got to do is yeah. go and look back where I was. Now I don't always, I'm using a checklist with you. That's, that's my checklist. Right <laughs> Very that, nice. That, that I go through and it's, um, uh, and it's just to control, you know, just to control the nuttiness, just to control the, the, the chaos that I generally, <laughs> that I generally create, create for my, for myself. That's why they do it's tools and I don't mean tricks because I don't like hacks. I don't like tricks and hacks, even though they're fun sometimes. Yeah. Um, I like tools. I'm a, I yeah, like, to have I like tools. I like, tools. I like process. Like process is a big part of, of how I run my life. And, um, you know, what, when you, when you don't have no process, it's, it feels overwhelming. So much of it does. And, um, that's the, that's the other thing that I think I've, I've, I'm really good at breaking down a problem. Um, and sometimes, you know, you probably experience this too. Um, sometimes my wife wants me just to listen and I always want to solve the problem. And sometimes I just got to take a step back and say, wait a minute, she's not asking for me to solve this for her. She just wants me to hear her. And um, because my nature is I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to try to solve the problem for you. I'm going to break it down I'm going to map out a game plan and then we're going to attack it. And, and that's not what she's looking for. And, you know, so us process people, that's how we think. And we have to realize that there are other people who are approaching it more from an emotional perspective that they just want, they want to talk it out so they can process it. And uh, so I've made that mistake more than once. She'd probably tell you way more than once. You, you and, a bunch of other people, a bunch of other husbands. So thinking of processes, I learned of a, it's new to me that is known as internal for as far as the way that people communicate. And just in, as an example with your, with your example, with the wife, that there are internal processors and there are external processors. And as, when I heard that, obviously always searching for a way to be better, to be a better husband, to be a better guy, to be a better buddy, to be a better friend, to, you know, to my tennis pals, uh, because that's important. I, I sometimes think that we don't, I say we, whoever we is. So the internal processor thinks so that they can talk An external processor talks so that they can think. And Certainly I great. am, I I don't and I regret so much that I can't remember where I read it, but it was. But I, I began studying it, and and I have a number of books about it, which which is that's one of the books from the uh, that that uh, came from the checklist with the uh, a tool. The his first sense a tool, and the um, 
internal external process the internal so you see i was i wasn't talking so i didn't i couldn't think that uh, i i find that internal processors when we're in we were in a meeting whoever we is that same we we were in a meeting and i i am a i'm a balancer i i i i like things to be balanced now obviously in, you know think about the sailing you know there's about yeah. i like things to be balanced and i don't like bullies business bullies and we were in a big meeting and there was a number of uh, numbers. It was, a, it was a, we were talking about numbers and uh, someone got a little bit ahead and the person that was needing us to give us those numbers did not have what she needed. And she didn't have the the numbers to give to us. Not because she didn't bring them. It's just because the, the questions we're asking, she needed to do some analysis on her numbers to be able to tell us what we were looking for. And so people got a little fussy. They were a little fussy about that. She wasn't, you know, are you going to be prepared? Are you not prepared for the meeting? And, uh, and that is when I was able to stand for her and say, no, man, she, she's processing. And, and then we led the meeting. I led the meeting into an, the internal and external processing. So that if someone doesn't talk away, that doesn't mean they talk right away. That doesn't mean they don't know what they want to say, but they haven't processed enough to be able to communicate it to you because, and I say this with love that, Sometimes I have been a little forceful trying to get someone to get, oh, come on, I need the answer, Kevin, come on, I need it now. It's like, and if you're dealing with Kevin, who's an internal processor, then it is, uh, it's to me, it's kind of like almost like mental marination. Got to let uh -huh. it sit for sure. Bit. It's, and yeah. it's also, there, there's actually a name for it, uh, which obviously I don't remember, but it's the, uh, they call it steer wheel, steering wheel conversations that you, oh, if I'd only thought to say that, if I'd only, and that, those are internal processors that get that later. And then there's no context or way to bring that back up. So that's why I wanted to tell you about the, the internal. Oh, that's cool. Because it matched with your processes, loving processes. And when I found that there was a, that actually there are people that think another way than I do. <laughs> Same way. That's. I, I remember when I first really discovered that piece is that, wait a minute, not everybody thinks like you. And it's like, oh, that's enlightening. I'm like, oh my God, it really took you however many years to figure that out. But uh, it sure made life a lot easier when you know you're dealing with people who have a different mental processing style um and you, you know you just there are all these models and stuff and they tell you about who you are just from a couple words and, but to me the best part of that exercise is really showing you that there really are 27 different kinds of people or you know there's there's no there are very few people who are just like me. And, you know, as a leader, you have to learn that really soon is I have to communicate to everyone, not just to people who think like I think. And um, otherwise, you're only going to have people like you on your team. And we all have strengths. I'm again, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> I'm glad we brought that up. That's good stuff. Is what do you see and what do you think about the new vegetable proteins? What about the the, the way that the plant-based world is coming in um, and bringing things like uh, alternate type of crusts into the pizza industry? Are you seeing any of that? Are you guys participating in any of that yet? For sure, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing is, I think we're all more focused on nutrition than we've ever been. And I think nutritional balance in our lives is a huge part of increasing our longevity and healthy and being able to to be healthier or longer in our lives 
And uh, for sure, it's come in the pizza business, whether it's in crust. And I'm a person who's in the pizza business and I'm gluten free. So uh, we have a fantastic cauliflower crust. Um, and I, I think that's going to continue to be a big part of what we need to be in the future. There's also plant-based proteins. Um, I think there was a huge surge into plant-based proteins. And then I think there's been a little bit of backsliding because people looked at what that label looked like. And yeah. there are some not so great things in there. And I think over time, we're going to balance that into the right place and that plant-based proteins are going to be a bigger part of our business for sure. Um, but I just love the fact that people care. They care about what the label is. They care about what they're putting in their body. And they just have to remember there's balance. Um, you don't have to eat healthy 100% of the time, but you can't eat garbage every day and expect to have a fulfilling life for uh, you know, for a longer lifespan, say 70, 80, 90 years old. Um, so I, I love that people care about nutrition. I love that people care about what the label looks like. And I think so many restaurant brands and certainly Donato's has gone through a, uh, a scrubbing of the label is how can we get rid of things that we don't really need? Um, you know, we took salt out of our dough a number of years ago not all the salt, but a lot of the salt, because we don't necessarily need everything we had in there. And I think that's true of things like pepperoni and, you know, more than half our pizzas go out the door with pepperoni on them. But do we have the cleanest pepperoni label we can and still be great tasting? So let's challenge our, our uh, business partners. Let's challenge our menu development people to come up with great tasting food that doesn't have an ingredient label that has 87 items on it. And I love that part about where the consumer is going and where business is going. Having um, been around the food business for so long, we have seen most people don't remember that haven't been around the business long about textured vegetable proteins, TVPs yep. that we've been eating that man. We've been eating that since mystery meat days. I mean, that is, <laughs> we were eating that <laughs> my, my great grandmother, uh, on my other side of the family was a school nutritionist. She was a, a school director in Fulton County, uh, school food service director is what she would be called today. Uh, so I got to you know learn a lot of neat things about the inside that she paid attention to. And I will tell you just a, a funny thing that the the school food business on the you know K twelve and that side of the that side of the, the food business. I think has the highest potential to execute on that initiative you're talking about that the kids are looking at the labels. They're not saying, Hey man, here's my plate. Just dump whatever you want on it. They want to know what's in it. And uh, I will tell you that on the, with the vegetable protein side, I just saw earlier this week that um, impossible has come out with a hot dog. The impossible brand has come out with a hot dog. And that is, and I don't know if I'll keep this in here, but my, I predict that it will rocket. It is going to rocket because that leads to because hot dogs are hot dogs. Yeah. So what's in them? You know, I mean, we know that's in them. We know that it's clean. And you and I have been to the manufacturing plants, and I believe that people would be tremendously surprised at how clean manufacturing plants are, and actually how clean restaurants actually are. That they look well, like they about the level big, of food safety. Yeah, it's oh, far gosh, yeah. better than food safety is in your own home. Oh my gosh. Can I use that, Dad? Can I use the same plate that I had the raw chicken on to bring the stuff off the grill? It's like, yeah, if if you need to 
have a bad bathroom day tomorrow, <laughs> which I'll take that. That's probably disgusting to say that. It's uh, oh, just washing that, washing your hands. I mean, come on. Andrew instituted, remember we talked about pushing through in the family. He instituted a, uh, a directive for the family, as he does, that we were going to stop using the antimicrobial uh-huh. and that we would wash our hands twice as much as we thought. And it has made a difference. I don't, obviously we don't have the data. You know, I can't find signal in that anywhere because it's unstructured and we have no idea. But I feel like our family has become healthier because we wash our hands more. And obviously, you know, I'm in the food business, man. I'm washing my hand like 50,000 times a day. And uh, when I was out uh, yesterday, I actually was out with a uh, uh, doing stuff with a burger company. And uh, they had raw burgers. And uh, it was fun to see, you know, five or six people. It, we're messing with the burgers. And then everybody's over there at the at the, at the the sink washing their hands. The, that context was really about, about the hot dog and about the yeah. things that we have already been eating. Because texture vegetable proteins have been in the pizza business, the topping business, since the beginning. Yeah. I went to Sugardale, who's our manufacturer mm-hmm. for our pepperoni, our ham, our bacon, all comes from Sugardale. Mm-hmm. And they've been a partner forever. Um, and you know, they also make and sell hot dogs. Um, I didn't love the hot dog part of the tour. Um, mm. the bacon part of the tour was fascinating. Loved every second of it, but I, I could do without the hot dog part. That's an interesting to see the first time as that, you know, that is mechanically separated comes down that line and goes into that. <laughs> it is yeah. that pink mush stuff. It's a, that pink it, mush. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, uh, Interesting is how about that? Let's go for interesting for that. Good. It made me. Um, I did go through a hot dog. I've been through a number of hot dog plants, and uh, <laughs> every time I go through, I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna eat hot dogs again after seeing yeah. that. But but knowing that they're clean, that makes it a little bit a little bit easier for sure. Cleaner, cleanish. Yeah, clean-ish. <laughs> that is fun. All right, so uh, I'm gonna say. Kevin, we probably the, we're 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 at the seat tables up and uh, in the backs in the folded position. I, I'm going to tell you that um, I am so happy that we were able to talk today. I think that um, that you're that we were aligned with some of the questions. You've been able to have some um, amazing amazing context for people out there, and I'm looking for so. Kevin, if you're out and about. In Ohio, where do you think people are going to run into you? Are they going to run into you at the shooting range or at an Ohio football yeah. game? Where are they going to yeah, find you? Can you can definitely find me at an Ohio State Buckeyes football game. So uh, look for me there. I'll, I'll be around. What color will you be wearing? Red. <laughs> I just wonder if you guys wear red or white or what do you wear? We wear red. Oh, that's it. That is exciting. So if someone's out on uh, social media, out on the interwebs, out in the uh, that uh, that famous inter internet, where would someone run? Are you active on LinkedIn? Are you active I mean, on social? Have you got a TikTok channel? What you got yeah, going I'm on very, there? I'm very active on LinkedIn, so you can definitely find me. Kevin King's not not hard, but also uh, kking at donatos.com. If you if you want something specific, you can always find me there. Kevin, it has been a pleasure. Thanks for hanging around for a few minutes today on, on, on our flight from, uh, I don't know what, an hour flight. I guess we'd have been to Chicago, maybe. <laughs> or maybe for me, maybe. That's funny. And I, I appreciate so much. You have caused me to be more fond of your brand that knowing that the dna from your owners and the founders and and what you're doing and uh it's not often that um people run into presidents of major companies and uh, you have put a uh a a, a, an amazing mindset about 
who the president of Donato's is. And uh, I am I am fond of your bit and more fond of Donato's than I was before. Oh, thanks, Tom. It was awesome. Really enjoyed uh, this journey with you. It was good stuff. Kevin, I appreciate you, man. Cheers from Charleston. Thanks. OH. OH. That's good stuff. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you.